What up, what up, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in again. We love it when you give us your attention, and we love giving you content. So today is the fourth installment of our series, Deciding Points in Our Military Careers. And today we have a very special guest, my longtime friend, Jay Lamar Hewitt. She is a Marine Corps veteran, and she is going to share her story with us. So thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. What up, what up, guys? Thank you for joining us today back on the Common Warrior Podcast. Today, we're going to hitting another episode of Deciding Points in Our Career. With me is the always awesome J-Dub. Hey. <laughs> Bringing back the awesome and beautiful Destiny Reynolds. Hey, babe. Hey, guys. And we got a very special guest, uh, someone that I've known for a long time, uh, Yelamar. It is Awesome to have you on the podcast. It's awesome to see you and talk to you again. So, Yelamar is a Marine Corps veteran. Not everybody's perfect, but she has been more than willing and happy to come on, share her little story with some of uh, the sighting points and the her experiences in the Corps. So, we are very happy and excited to have her on, and thank you for giving us the time. So, Yelamar, introduce yourself. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm Jay Lamar. I did four years in the Marine Corps. I was admin 01 and I was stationed in Japan, Okinawa and in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. All right. When did you uh, come in? Um, January of 2009. What time did you arrive in uh, Japan? I got there in June of 2009. Oh yeah. So pretty quick. Six months later. And uh, you were there for a year and a half, right? Yes. And then that's when you went to Lejeune in North Carolina and then finished out your career. Yes. So if you would please kind of give us some experience of, you know, maybe a little bit through boot camp, a little bit through your training for your school, and then on through Japan and North Carolina and whatever big factors, deciding points, uh, we would just really love to hear your story. So I always knew I wanted to join the military. My older brother, he went into the army and he was my role model. Now my dad was also army, but he wanted me to go air force and he had an air force recruiter come over and I rightfully so. Be rightfully um, so. Right. Um, and so I waited until I was 18 and I just snuck on over to um, the Marine Corps recruiters and signed up and eventually told them over Thanksgiving break on a road trip. Oh, come on. Give us a quick preview of how that conversation went. Come on. <laughs> My mom started screaming and crying and it was a 13 hour road trip. So I had nowhere to go. You guys just had to make men's <laughs> and talk it out by that point. We did. Um, they supported my decision. And then I shipped in January of 2009. Um, I went to Paris Island and boot camp was, it was the thing. Um, so I, I ended up graduating April of 2009, came home for two weeks. And then I ended up going to combat training where I hurt my hips. And so it was either keep pushing or stay back. And I did not want to stay back because I knew some of the other girls that um, were trying to heal injuries and um, they'd been there for months. And so I pushed through, which I bet ended that was pretty painful, huh? 
Yeah, I ended up, instead of just having one stress fracture on a hip, I ended up with two. Ouch. Um, and so from there, I went to Japan. Um, and Japan was fun, but it was very interesting being um, where I landed. Um, I ended up in the S1 working company level admin. And I was the only female with the exception of our mass arm. And she, she was a female. Um, and so with her, it was, it was hard. She gave me a hard time from the moment she saw me. Um, how so? I mean, why, why was she being so hard on you? Apparently it was her thing with females. Um, I, I remember our first interaction, she said, oh, you're so pretty, but why do you have makeup on? You don't need makeup. And it went on the whole time, um, that she was there. Um, I ended up dyeing my hair and she, the next day she saw me, she said, I either had to dye it back, um, or go to the tree line, which I dyed it back. What is the tree line? Yeah. Tree line basically is where you go rank off, you know, you take off your blouse and you're supposed to go and. So you guys basically had to duke it out, pretty essentially? much. Yes. Wow. Oh, that really happens. Well, I dyed it back, so I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's crazy. But yeah. you know, you, when you said that about um, the the females and you being the other female, that does not surprise me at all. I have seen that so many times. Have you just? Yeah, I've seen that so many times where females tend to be a lot harder on other females. And that could yep. be for a number of different things, but, um, I, I experienced that same thing. And so, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a thing and I don't know why, like we're supposed to support each other and be there for each other. But, um, for some reason you've got these, especially higher ranking ones that just go after the lower ranking ones. Yeah. And it's, it's really sad, but, um, I've experienced that as well. Yeah, and it only got worse from there. Um, so one time she saw me, she called me into her office and she said, um, she looked at my arms and she said, you need to shave your arms and you need to shave your sideburns. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can they, can they do that? Technically, no. I, I was a boot PFC. I did not want to say anything to anyone. I didn't want to get that rep of, well, here comes the new female. And she probably knew that, which is why she did that. And so I'll never forget, I was in her office and she said, you either come back tomorrow with shaved arms and shaved sideburns because you are walking around looking like Bigfoot or I'm going to shave it off for you. Oh, I would have been that something like that. I know you were a small boo, but I something like that. It meant like, well, bitch, fucking bring it. Like, wow. And so that's what I said to her. In other, I mean, in other words, um, and I said, well, I guess I'll meet you at the tree line. And I remember I took off my rank, and I slapped it on top of her her desk, and I said, I am not shaving. You can't make me. And she said, well, who's going to believe a boot ass PFC over a mass arm of 20 years? So Holy at that shit. point, yeah, I went and I told the first sergeant, but 
I did not know that both of them were really good friends. And there you go. And so he backed her up. Um, so um, I talked to the company guns and he's the only one that was pretty much on my side. But because she outranks him, it was... So the next day, I sure as hell did come with shaved arms. Um, and I was just, I was miserable. She would come to the barracks and wake me up on a Saturday at 06 because she wanted me to go thrifting with her. Whoa, 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 whoa. So this chick is going to make you shave your arms and your sideburns. And then she's going to be like, hey, come with me to the thrift shops. Let's go buy some stuff. The f- fuck kind of people do you have in the Marines? (laughs) (laughs) I really hope that it's gotten better since I got out. I know that it's not as, as bad as when I was in, um, with, um, the internet now, you know, everyone coming onto the internet and airing things out. Um, And it's a lot more lenient, but back then, I mean, it wasn't what it is now. And so, and so I just wanted to keep flying under the radar. I wanted to just, you know, get promoted and do my job. Um, And so I felt like I just had to take it in a sense too. And I chose to just take it too. I stood up for myself a few times, but it got shut down every time. And I just ended up giving up at one point. Jeez. Yeah, because I was going to ask, you know, because I'm always curious how it is for females in the Marine Corps. And, like, you just kind of summed it up for me. Um, so, obviously, she was a female master sergeant. She was targeting you like this. But what was it like uh, working with the male Marines? Were they kind of the same? Or did they give you a little bit more grace? Or how did that kind of go? Um, the guys in my shop, I will say they, for the most part, they were pretty great. As a female Marine, at least for me back then, I felt like I had to constantly prove myself. Yeah. To be either as good or better than some of the males. Um, and it's, it's something that a lot of us did, and we ended up breaking ourselves, pretty much. Yeah. And that seems to be a huge thing in the military, too. And, and um, I know Dustin, can kind of talk on this as well um but it's one of those things where when you're a female in the military like i used to tell my female soldiers when i was in the army like hey don't think of yourself as just a female like you're a soldier too right um and it sounds like to me you kind of did the same thing like hey i'm a marine and i'm here to do my job and i'm not worried about the fact that i'm a female and the fact that you were a female being targeted by another female is pretty fucked up you know yeah Uh, geez i'm so sorry you had to go through that it, it really, it, it was hard and it sucked. Um, as far as everyone else, um, same rank, lower rank, even NCOs, I was not the one and people knew that. Yeah. Um, and I remember vividly whenever I first got there, um, one of the guys in my shop, he was going to take me to the barracks and show me show me which one was my room and everything and he went to go get my bags to help me and I immediately was defensive and I was like no I can grab my own and I grabbed my own almost falling over because I'm only 4'11 
Um, but I took my own stuff, but walking down the hallway, everyone was opening the doors to see who the new female was. And all I kept hearing were bets. Oh, I got a hundred. Oh, I got 50. Oh, I got 60. Oh, I got, it was horrible. Um, so anytime anyone, when I first got there, anyone would invite me out. I did not want to. I tried to stay separated from everyone else as much as possible. Um, just because I did not want, I didn't want to be a cash price. I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And God, like you look at like the sexual insults and stuff and sexual harassment in the military and then there it is just running rampant. But I mean, I get where you're coming from on that. Cause it was the same way when I was a young airman, um, people, you know, you'd come into the, we, we call them dorms, but you would come in and dudes would just be taking bets on, yeah, I'm going to get with her within the next couple of weeks, you know? And it's, mm-hmm. it's fucking disheartening because it's like, you're supposed to be serving with these people. And now here they are just acting like complete assholes to you. Right. And when I was in the schoolhouse, um, I had someone from, so I went to uh, camp Johnson in North Carolina and, um, they had, it was three different, um, schoolhouses in the same place. Um, and so someone from supply, I'll never forget. I was going down the stairs. We were on our way to chow and one of the male Marines just grabbed my butt and I turned around and I just pow. And so I had to fight not to get disciplined for that, for defending yourself. Right. But yeah, so they was... wanted you to beat him at the tree line, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's insane, man. I feel, I'm so sorry. That just sounds like, Jesus, I cannot believe. So that story reminds me of a lot of the shit that used to happen to me whenever I first came in. Um, so unfortunately there were times where I've gotten grabbed or had stuff said to me that was like really nasty. Um, especially when I was an airman. And so, um, I can totally, uh, sympathize with you on that one. Um, yeah, unfortunately it does happen mm-hmm. a lot. So, uh, in Japan, I ended up, um, well, there came an opportunity to deploy and I was trying to escape my mask yarn. Um, and so I volunteered, um, the ad came in and said, who wants to go? And I was like, the only person in my shop. And he ended up calling me into his office and he said, we don't have any Oh one spots. And I was like, that's fine. I'll take whatever you have. And he's like, well, we have a assistant machine gunner. That's it. And I was like, well, sign me up, sir. Ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds dope. What gun? Like, I don't just know. Just any of them. You I were just, just ready said, to sign go. me up. Just, I want to leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. A gun that goes burnt. That's what it was. Burnt. <laughs> <laughs> the one where we had a ditty every time um, we would go fire the machine gun and it was die, motherfucker, die. And then release. Die, motherfucker, die. That's a great deployment jam, by the way. <laughs> um, but I ended up not going because going back to me pushing myself through combat training with my hips, they got worse 
before I could go into training to deploy. So I didn't get the clear to be able to um, go ahead and leave. So I stayed back. What kind of feeling did that give to you? Because I, I can only imagine that like wanting to do something so bad. And I, I mean, I do know from my perspective, but like wanting to go, wanting to get out of there and just being told no, like that shit sucks. I was disappointed. Um, and I'll never forget. I called my mom crying and I was like, I can't go. And she was like, thank God. <laughs> She's all happy because you can't deploy. <laughs> yeah. My brother, he was in Iraq. So oh, that shit. was a whole nightmare for her. Yeah. Um, and so I was, in a sense, I was disappointed in my own self because had I taken care of myself before and maybe not pushed myself, I would have been able to go. Um, and then eventually now, now that I'm older and I look back, I'm like, well, thank God I didn't go because God knows why, you know, I, I didn't go you know, something could have happened to me. I lost a very good and dear friend and brother um, in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. which is another reason why I was so eager to go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I got promoted to Lance Corporal um, and I uh, faced some depression while I was out there, not knowing um, that I was depressed until uh, one of my NCOs took me to the hospital and said that I was suicidal. And that right there angered me um, because there was a specific situation that was going on. Um, yeah. And I just said, I just wanted to be over. And I was talking about the situation. So and, it was a misunderstanding. Yes. Yeah. And instead of talking to me about it, she made the it's decision okay. to go um, and tell the company first sign. And so they took me to medical. Um, I couldn't do anything by myself. Um, I was on suicide watch until they finally saw me. And then they just said, oh, she's just depressed. She's not suicidal. You just needed to talk to somebody and they were just hell bent on trying to get you hospitalized and everything else, just going from one extreme to the other. Yeah. 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 That it, I've seen that happen because I've had to do that with one of my airmen, you know, and I knew that he wasn't suicidal, but unfortunately the stuff he said through a text message and I'm looking at it and I looked at him. I'm like, did you say this? He's like, no, no, no. I was like, I, I, I want a yes or no. Did you say this? And he said, yes. I was like, I have no choice. Yeah. I have to take you now, you know? So it, it sucks, but you know, sometimes you, you it's best to err on the side of caution, but it also is like you said, best to have a conversation first before you just jump to conclusions. Yeah. And so that put her doing that and making that decision put a big hinder on me um, and how people then began to view me. So then I felt like I had to always be this happy go lucky Marine to prove a point that I wasn't going to do anything, that I was okay. Um, and so fast forward, I get pregnant. Well, I'd been in Japan for a little over a year. And so my ex-husband, which was not my husband at the time, 
he had orders to PCS coming up and I requested to leave as well. Um, I, I requested to leave because I mean, one, I didn't want my son to be born without dad there. Um, and also I knew the com how complicated it was whenever you do have a child overseas, all the paperwork and all of the things. And I just, I didn't want to deal with it. So yeah, I, they're technically not a citizen of the U S when they're born. It doesn't matter that you're military or even they're, they're born on a military installation. Yeah. Their, their nationality is wherever they're born. Mm -hmm. So, um, I ended up leaving December of 2010 and we got orders to Camp Lejeune. Um, they put us together. And so I was ready in a way to leave Japan and it wasn't until after I left, I saw how much I missed Japan, um, the culture, the people, it was just, it was just a complete different atmosphere. Um, and so then I got stationed in Camp Lejeune. Um, and then I had another bad encounter with another female Marine higher up. Um, this one was a staff sergeant and we had a few bad encounters. The first one was when I first got there, she was my supervisor. She was my staff sergeant. Um, and so she used to, I was the only, um, I was the only Hispanic in there and she would not talk to me. I would come in the morning. I would give the greeting of the day to everyone, including her. And she would not say anything. Um, and so that went on for a few months until they moved her and then we got a gunny. But when that is just weird, I mean, <laughs> it was horrible. She would not talk to me. She would not talk to me. Purely to because you were else. Hispanic. Well, I was the only or, person oh, that was you were the only minority or what? Yes. Okay. So yeah. it, it was kind of like you figured it out by just paying attention to your surroundings. Yeah. That is wow. <laughs> Yeah. And so my super water, fucked. huh? That's just super fucked up. And I was already like out to here pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my water breaks and her and I, she had moved uh, to a different shop. And so then she would talk to me. <laughs> so her and I were having a conversation and my water breaks and I'm trying to tell her my water broke and she will not acknowledge it she will not stop talking and she said that she will finish what she's saying and so at that so point what she had to say was more important that you go into labor is that what you're saying yes but we weren't even talking about work which is what's crazy oh my it God. was nothing Marine Corps related my mind is just completely blown right now like that is insane like and so then i'm just match. standing there <laughs> all wet oh my god wow. and i was like and I, I i told her i was like with all due respect i'm leaving i grabbed my stuff and no, i like I go. Wow. and so um yeah so i had my baby and three months after i had him they were trying to deploy me and so i was like no 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 i know the order 
So I went and I talked to my gunny, which he was very understanding. He was always an approachable person. He was always on our side. He would do anything for his junior Marines, which I appreciated because he was literally the first person I had encountered that was like that because I previously had the the Massarn in Japan and then I had the other Safsarn. How long you had been in at this time before you finally met a trustable leader? Um, two and a half years. So it took over half of your career in the Marines before you could find a leader that you trusted. Yeah. Golly. That's fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had NCOs that would stick up for us, but they wouldn't go any higher. Um, and so, yeah, um, I obviously I did not deploy because they could not. Um, and then I got pregnant again. And so here's my other, my second and bad encounter with this staff sergeant is I let my gunny know that I was pregnant and, um, I didn't fit in my, um, in my uniform anymore. So he told me, okay, well just wear your maternity ones. Do you still have them? I said, yes. Now, mind you, I was super huge with, um, my son Whereas to with this one, I mean, it looked a little big on me. I see her out in the hallway. I say, good morning, Safsar. And I kept walking and she's like, why are you wearing those? And I was like, wearing what? And she said, why are you wearing uh, maternity uh, uniforms? And I'm like, because I'm pregnant. No, you're not. You're just fat. I was like, no, I'm, I'm pregnant. Oh my God. <laughs> What the fuck? She didn't believe me. She thought that I was just trying to be comfortable. Just a lazy <laughs> Marine that doesn't want, oh my God. Yeah. And so she ended up coming into the office. She marched in there um, after I told her a, a few things. Um, I went in there and I went straight to my gunny and I told him, I was like, this is what happened. This is what I said. I said what I said, pretty much. I sat down. She came in. And she went straight to him and started talking to him. And then she was talking to me and I had my feet propped up, just sitting down, talking to her. Um, and then a sergeant that works, that worked with her came in and she said, when you talk to her, you stand up at parade rest. And I said, my decision to be like, well, all y'all can kiss my ass. I'm not standing up. And so my gunny kicked everybody out. Fuck yourself. <laughs> Pretty much. I was just so done. Um, and he got everybody out and he had a conversation with me and he said, you know, you kind of can't go tell him higher ups off. And I was like, I don't care. And I was like, you know, I'm being accused of, of wearing this uniform because I'm lazy because I'm fat. And um, I was like, what do I have to do? Show them proof that I'm pregnant? <laughs> you want me to bring a stick? Just keep oh carrying around your sonogram, your pee stick, <laughs> everything. You got to make sure, you know. It was horrific. Oh, my God. Um, and so, yeah, so then came around pretty much fast forward to when um, I had to either reenlist, put in my reenlistment package, or get out. I was a single mom then of two littles, they, they told me before I left that the Marine Corps was the least family friendly 
branch. And I was like, well, was I want to be a badass. Was that your experience? Yeah. <laughs> that, did you end up experiencing that? I mean. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, even with, with my kid, um, when I had my son, they wanted, if he was sick and the CDC wouldn't take him, and I don't have anyone else out there that I know besides Marines, I either had to bring him to work with me or then I would face um, them coming for me because I didn't have a family plan and I have to have one too. <laughs> yeah. She, um, she manages family care plans as a, as a first sergeant. Well, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say when I was an airman, it was pretty bad as far as them, um, being able to, come after me like if I couldn't provide for like PT you know if the CDC didn't open until after the um, PT started you know I had to figure it out so mm -hmm. I remember having to drive I lived on base but I had to drive like 20 miles off base to drop my daughter off at this place that did 24-hour care come all the way back up on base for PT um, and it was more expensive for me to have to do that, but they didn't, they didn't care. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. I've been through that too. And then, uh, also with, uh, the uniform thing, I, not the exact same thing happened to me, but after I had my daughter, I had gotten a bigger uniform. Um, I just bought a bigger one cause you know, my body had changed so much and, um, my supervisor pulled me out in the hallway and told me that I just needed to lose weight. And I literally had just gotten back from maternity leave, which at the time was only six weeks. Yeah. And I had just gotten back from maternity leave and she was like, um, you can't wear that uniform. It's too big. I said, my other one doesn't fit. And she's like, well, then you just need to lose weight. And I'm like, do you realize it's not that easy to do? She didn't have kids. Yeah. And then, uh, there was a couple of times when, I would go to, this was before the whole PT thing happened. Uh, my daughter was in the CDC and I would go feed her at lunch. I would go breastfeed her. And they told me that I needed to stop doing that because um, I needed to be working out at lunch because I was fat, basically. Wow. Yeah. Because we all know you can just go home one night, lose weight and come back good the next day. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, what caught me up about that what caught me up about that was that they, you know, basically said that you can't go home and feed your daughter or, yeah. you know, you can't go to the CDC and feed your daughter. Like right now, PT and you being able to pass a PT test is more important than you going and breastfeeding your daughter. Um, I mean, I have countless stories like that, but whenever you were talking about that whole uniform thing and then, um, you know, if, if she was sick and her daycare provider wouldn't take her then it was like a huge deal it yeah. was like me trying to get out of work and I'm like but I'm not gonna bring my sick baby up here you know um so I went through that too it's so crazy how that apparently it doesn't matter what branch they all still have the same mentality that it's better now it, it, where I work it is anyway because if people come to me with something like that I'm gonna stop that right away yeah I mean I'm not going to say I dealt with the same exact thing. I'm, I mean, I'm not a woman. Um, I just remember me and my ex-wife, we had kind of a similar thing with uh, one of her bosses. Like I was, uh, we were, we were both the same job, but I worked on the flight line with the maintainers, which when you work on the flight line with maintainers is an endless 
endless thing. Like they're consistently working, they're consistently, you know, like always needing something. And I'm running a solo shift. So if I leave, nothing gets done because I'm the only supply person. Whereas she worked at the shop with, you know, like a full team. And so naturally, most of the time, if our son was sick, she would go get him and go home. And then her boss started being getting mad. She's like, oh, why are you the only one doing this? What do you expect me to do? Like, I don't have the ability to do that because I'm by myself. Yeah. And, and it's just, and then like, and it was crazy. It's like, she was a master sergeant with kids. So I was like, how are you seriously going to like, act like you don't understand how this works and you don't understand like why it would have to be her versus me. Like, I just. That's yeah. what happens when you don't know your people. Like when you don't take the time to learn about their family and their family situation. Cause like with me, like I have, I have NCOs who have children, right? And with my folks, I, if they have something come up with their families, like I'm going to let them go. Right. Cause, um, it all goes back to understanding their family situation because, um, like I, I have a, a guy who works in my shop and she works a really weird schedule. So he's like, Hey, I have to go take my kid to daycare and I have to go pick my kid up and stuff. And I'm like, cool, man, do what you need to do. Cause when he's at work, he's at work. Right. And he will come and tell me like, Hey, I really need to go get my son because my wife is at work and she, she works a 12 hour shift. She can't get off work. I'm like, cool, man, go take care of it. Like I'm never going to expect someone to not take care of their parental responsibilities because they have a spouse. And if I have a single parent, I'm like, yeah, like I had, one of my NCOs was a single mom um, and she had to telework for like six weeks because her daughter had COVID and then had unfortunately like um, sprained her leg. And I was like, just work from home. Like you're still going to be getting your job done. You know, like I don't need you at work worrying about your kid when you can be at home with your kid. And then when you have time to check your computer, or do whatever you can take care of that because the mission's still going to go on. You know, people have lives outside of the military and I just, I cannot fathom how people can call themselves a leader and not understand that. Yeah. So here we are, re-enlist or die essentially. <laughs> um, so we all, we all get a sense you were at that fuck it point, all done, don't want to do this anymore. But even when you're at that fuck it point, like I was at that point many times in my career. I know Jess has been there. I'm sure Destiny's even been there. But even then, it is it is scary as hell leaving that all behind when you have when you get in that comfort level. You have you have for sure paycheck. You have some extra allowances. You have um, health care and all that stuff. You know, it, it's it's not easy to leave it behind no matter how pissed off you are. So, what was that emotion coming up when you were finally at that point, reenlist or leave it all behind, like? what was going through your head when you had to play that out and because you were single at the time right yeah i mean hell that is 10 times more worse than anything else you know because here you are with children single was it was it just one two at a time two at the so you, here you are two children single i mean this is basically everything to you this is what provides this is what pays the bills this mm -hmm. is what gives you everything you need for you and your children like what was going through your head your heart and what pushed you to finally be like, this is the right decision for me to leave? I'll be honest. I was heartbroken because when I joined, I joined with the intention of being a lifer. I did not want to do four years and get out. Even with all the hiccups and all the ups and downs that I had with commands and leaders and everything, 
all my experiences, I still wanted to stay because I felt like I could make a difference. And I tried making a difference as an NCO with all of my Marines. Really, it was put what I want or put my children first. And I'll be honest, it's hard. It's hard when that's what you wanted to do for so long. And then just you have to cut it off. But I decided to put my kids first and they need their mama um, because, you know, dad wasn't involved or anything like that. Um, And so that was my decision. Um, It truly did break my heart. I was I was devastated to not put in a reenlistment package in. Um, But I look back at it now and I'm so glad I did because all they were just waiting until I got to that six month mark to deploy me. Um, not caring that I had two kids and I'm not saying that they have to put me first or anything like that, because I know at least in the Marine Corps, it's always mission first. That's all you hear. Mission first, mission first. Everything else is, doesn't matter, but a little understanding or a little support could have made me stay. Like not to, not to in any way downplay any of the, you know, unfortunate, like sexualizing sexual assaults that you dealt with, you know, with Marines being grabby and being just stupid, having that little bit of support in my view, not a woman in my, um, in my view, having that little bit of support from just one or two leaders in a position that could help would almost eclipse having to deal with that bullshit. Because then, you know, you have somebody that was willing to, meet you a little bit to give you a little bit of here and there and to know that hey i have dealt with some dumbass fucking kids i have dealt with a lot of bullshit but i know he cares and i know she cares and they're trying to help me what is that kind of maybe accurate to describe a little bit yeah for sure uh you know even after getting out it, it was a just a continuous thing as a parent now to keep putting my kids first And, you know, I got out and I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a corrections officer. I wanted to be a firefighter. And I didn't do any of those things because... Trying to get another (laughs) form of service, right? Yes, because I, I, I dealt with a bunch of stuff, but I, and to this day, I still have yet to find anywhere the camaraderie that I had when I was in. I'll, I'll back that. I'm, I'm happy with my decision to get out. I'm happy, you know, with where my life is, with who I'm with, with people that I, I know now. I love my job. My boys, my girls at Lockheed Martin, I love my job. Most of them are veterans. But there's something about active duty and after the fact, you know. Yeah. And it, I don't know if you guys ever seen those uh, videos, you know, it's all over TikTok or Reels on IG, you know, like, so what did the military teach you? Did it teach you to, to kill people with your bare hands? No. teach you to you know shoot a sniper from five miles away no what what'd you do i got depressed got anxiety like you just keep on going through all this stuff i was like well do you miss it every day yeah like you know like it, it it's still crazy to me you know like i miss you know for what us lower air force call action i miss tdys i miss deploying i miss you know having that aspect of like, Hey, go do this stuff. We're going to go here and stuff. You know, I miss that, but I am here. My kids are close by. 
got a, a great woman, got a new family. It's just, it's all going down to the fact of like, you know, you miss certain things, you miss people, but mm-hmm. as long as you can look back now and know that was the best decision and yeah. here you are now living a great life, not, you know, living in a van in a ditch by the river kind of a thing, it all kind of works out in the end. Or being yeah. told to shave your arms or your sideburns. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. Or that you're so too, weird. or you're too fat. Just go home and lose weight. Yeah, right. I was literally only back to work like maybe two or three weeks when that. Wow. And then I remember at PT, I couldn't keep up with anybody because I hadn't ran in like almost a year, and I had a lot of complications. And everybody would be like, "You're slow. You need to run faster." And I'm like, "I'm sorry. I don't want my cervix to fall out." <laughs> Don't mind me. I just had a baby. Like, yeah. no big deal. Nobody minded when Jay Lamar's water broke. So, I mean, why <laughs> care after the fact? Right? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> I will say this is over. You were talking about oh, that man. you weren't a woman. We got that yeah. part. Yeah. I mean, at least I think I'm not. I don't you know. Nobody knows nowadays. But what I will say is that you know you made the right decision. You miss it every day. We all know that. There's not going to be one person that goes to the military that has the perfect experience with no issues, with no bullshit, with no some sort of discrimination, no just what have you. Everybody's going to deal with it. Doesn't matter the race, doesn't matter the job, doesn't matter anything. But we all have that craving of brotherhood and sisterhood when we get out because it is different, you know, when you're a part of something way bigger than yourself all the bullshit you put up with and then you get out and you have friends you have some you know vets you still have some people who are in but you're not there anymore and that's what's hard but could you confidently say even though your heart was broken even though you miss it are you 100 percent happy with your life now i am and that's what matters to me, honestly. That's what matters. You have your kids, you have your husband, you have your family, you're doing well. And no matter what, no matter how short in four years you dealt with all of that. And I mean, that's that's horrible that you had to deal with that in just four years. But, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter because we thank you for taking that, that oath and serving in the Marine Corps for four years. doesn't matter what you did or what you didn't get to do. You, you served and that's what matters. So thank you for sharing your story. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's great to see you. It's great to talk to you and it's great to hear your story. So thank you. Ladies, anything else uh, you would like to add before we wrap things up here? It's nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Same here. It was really nice to meet you. And thank you for sharing all that stuff. Cause I know that's a lot to talk about and it's a lot to kind of get off your chest. Um, but I mean, you're speaking your truth and you're speaking your reality to people who could be going through the same thing that you're, that you went through, you know, as a young Marine. And, um, I hope that somebody can listen to this and kind of take away from how you utilized your own strength and, how you went through your own battles and kind of dealt with those things. Um, Cause it's, it's really important, especially as a female in the military um, for us to be tough and to be strong. Um, but to recognize that, Hey, we're, we're here to serve too, just like, you know, our male yeah. counterparts are. So thank you again. Really appreciate you. Thank you. I will say if I go back 
I would have made sure that I kept pushing for the right thing. Like when I was in Japan with my mass sergeant, with the staff sergeant, like I wish I wouldn't have. I mean, again, it's just that mentality of being a female and being still new. Whereas, you know, you might feel like you have to take it. You don't have to take it. Um, I think there's more avenues now you can take to that kind of stuff. And I know the mentality has somewhat shifted as well. So I'm happy for that because I mean, to this day and fellow jarheads don't come for me, but for females that come to me and say, Oh, I want to join the Marine Corps. Why don't you go to the air force? The air force is my heart. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I really do. No, I really do. I really do. I am super proud of being a Marine. Um, I feel like it made me tougher. Um, and I can kick, serious ass but (laughs) but um i will say i i advise a lot of people to think about different don't just think of marine corps heart charger badass because you know we all we all serve our country one way or the other um and some have you know more commodities than others so what would you be talking about i don't know I don't know. Maybe the people that stay in dorms and not barracks or to a room. <laughs> don't be hating on our five-star hotels. I am not. <laughs> Look, when I went, when I was in Japan and I went to the Air Force Base for the first time, because everyone kept talking about, oh, you have to go to the Air Force Base. You have to go to the Air Force Base. So I finally go to the Air Force Base. It was Kadena. I mean, all the good I've restaurants there. are there. I would go just to go to Chili's when I was pregnant. Chili's was my craving spot. And I went, Ugh. All the shops and the PX and everything. And when I saw what the barracks were, I about died. I'm like, I joined the damn wrong branch. I should have listened to my dad. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's funny. Is um, Growing up, my entire life, I wanted to be a Marine. Because my great-grandfather was Marine. was in Iwo Jima. He was at the bottom of the hill when the flag went up, you know. So wow. there was a lot of that pride that I wanted to, you know, be like him. He practically raised me for the first part of my life, you know, and, um, it it was amazing to hear, uh, some stories. I mean, I was a little kid. He's not going to tell me, you know, everything. Uh, but then as I grew up, I I always had that feeling of like, I, you know, my great grandfather was fighting on a daily basis, you know, because war was way different back then than it is now, you know? And here I am thinking like, what, what do I have to say about putting myself through anything less? You know, like I, he had to do it and he, and this is where, you know, it took him. Um, it took a while to shift out of that type of mentality, uh, even though I still want to be a Marine, but when I actually got serious um, about joining, uh, you know, it's fun. My, my mom was all about it. And she'd be like, Hey, look, there's a Marine recruiter. Oh, Hey, look, you know, she, she was always just, you know, like encouraging. But as soon as I got serious, she about cried and wept and begged me to not join the Marines because <laughs> we were already in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, and the, you all know that the first thing you do is get sent to hell down range, you know, right out of boot camp most of the time. So, but I, I did it right. I talked to all the branches. I had a bunch of people that I went to high school with that was in the air force. So, and then I, of course, 
best decision because my life has all led to this point because of my decision at that. So, yeah. but thank you again, Jalamar. It was really amazing to see and talk to you again. So guys, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't, go back and listen to all the episodes up until now. Um, episode two about recruiting, uh, how to approach it in the mindset of when you go to recruiters and how you want to live out your career uh, in regards to the post-career. Episode three, you can never listen to it too many times. Mental health matters. We all, we all have our battles. We all have our struggles. Go listen to it. Dial 988, um, option one, in those worst-case scenarios. But uh, thank you, Yelamar. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Thank you, Jess and Destiny, of course. But uh, guys, take care. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to drop us a follow or subscribe to The Common Warrior wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Common Warrior Podcast. Take care and join us again for our next episode. Mm-hmm.